HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Patina Events at Brooklyn Botanic Garden, an idyllic location for weddings, corporate events, and parties of any style. Visit us at patinaevents.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're bringing you four stories about lost and found culinary treasures. We are searching for what will be lost, and we're trying to rejuvenate it. What we try to do is collect these sourdoughs that contribute to the biodiversity of sourdough in order to store them, to document them, and be able to preserve them for the future. It's bringing back the history and just being part of that time that just, it's, there's nothing like it. You know, there's, there's nothing like it. When fame comes late, uh, I'm sure it's just as sweet as when it comes earlier. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host tonight, Leah Kurtz. And in the studio, we have with us Gabriela Alvarez of Liberation Cuisine. Liberation Cuisine is a food business whose mission is to establish a new standard for food with health-supportive menus designed with the intention of not only feeding your belly, but also your life. They believe that each meal impacts how you show up for yourself, your relationships, and your work. Their catering services are therefore reserved for those doing positively impactful work in the world. They often cook for grassroots organizations, farms, healing spaces, artist collectives, fundraisers, and community events. Outside of the kitchen, they affirm that each human being is worthy of good quality nourishment. Buying organic food for communities where food access is a challenge. Supporting an equitable and healthy food system by sourcing ingredients from local farms that are owned by people of color and pay fair wages. Composting to reduce waste and give back to Mother Earth and respecting employees for all of their gender expressions, racial identities, class backgrounds, and sexual orientations. Gabriella, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so we'll kind of dive right in. Like, What is your background, where you grew up, um, what did food mean to you? Ooh, um, well, my family comes from the Caribbean, in particular from the island of Puerto Rico. And I more recently found out that I have a 
great great grandfather who migrated to Puerto Rico from St. Croix. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm also just really interested in to know myself more and also um, just really fits in also with the the work that I do and food in general. It's so connected with migration patterns and um, thinking about the Caribbean and how all our islands, like we're all siblings and how um, not only does that reflect in our food, but it also reflects or has an opportunity to reflect in like organizing work and how we like all show up for one another. Um, so yeah, my family is Puerto Rican and, um, I should say more specifically, I'm New Yorican. So I was born in New York. I was born in Brooklyn and, um, grew up predominantly well, living in Long Island by, out by JFK airport and then going to school in Brooklyn. Um, so sort of straddling a few different worlds at the same time. And, um, I have two sisters that I grew up with and a brother in Puerto Rico and so spent a lot of time between the island and and New York and um, yeah food like for so many of us was um, definitely part of our gatherings and our comings together Um, it was you know there are there are I almost said relatives yeah and also recipes um that were that were just you know really common that we always had um when when we got together for holidays and such or um especially when we went to our grandparents house in Puerto Rico um there were I mean I could say like there were specific things like the salchichas like the canned um what are those called like the canned sausages oh the green ones like you know from that to Chef Boyardee all the way to like more traditional recipes of just like rice and beans um, and like ground root vegetables that we would eat with like a little olive oil and um, some salted codfish um, just like on the regular. Um, and then also for, for, for me specifically um, and my family, my mom had an autoimmune disease when I was growing up. So she before like, I don't know, before like, all the soy and almond milk and all this stuff was like more known. And so sort of like now you can go and get almond milk in any cafe. Right. But like it's overwhelming. Right. The options. It's (laughs) a lot. Right. You have, Oh, you have almond, you have like hemp, you have all these things that you don't even know could be milk. But, um, before we had all of that, my mom was really looking for alternatives because she, um, weaned herself off of medications for her autoimmune and used like herbs and vitamins and food and was just really taking a holistic approach to her own well-being and and doing it in a doing it with no model she was reading books she was listening to radio she was just using finding all the resources that she could and so it was very much like an intense commitment and we were like a little different people were like your family's a little weird like what are y'all doing you had the whole grain pasta (laughs) yeah like right the whole grain (laughs) pasta like the soy slash american cheese that like i personally did not like it um but but i just i learned really and we shopped at um the park slope food co-op we would like commute 45 minutes to an hour to get our groceries specifically there my parents who worked long hours would do their shifts every month. Um, and we would be in the childcare waiting for our parents to finish grocery shopping so we could fill up the car and go back home um, to Long Island. And um, yeah, I just learned how I just learned early on that food is important, that it really matters, that it really makes a difference and that we, you know, we have to do whatever it takes to make sure that we can get good food into our stomachs and when we got sick, like my mom, we like never really went to conventional medicine. We 
you know, I got like this kind of gross, but I got like warts on my sh- on my elbow one time. It was like right before the first day of school. I was freaking out. Oh no! And she put like raw garlic, and it basically like burned my warts off, which really hurt. I was like, oh. ma, um, but it worked, and they never came back. And we always used alternative me- alternative healing, which was very often like herbs and food. Um, and yeah, I just learned to like depend on food and really prioritize food as um, something that will keep me healthy when I'm not well and also something that will just like sustain me. Um, My mom is always like, don't drink coffee, drink green juice. And I'm like, mom, you're so annoying. Like no one does that. But like actually a lot of people, you know, are starting to do that. And it's actually really wonderful advice. Like what will keep me going long range as opposed to just give me a shot of energy um, to get the things that I need to get done today. And that's really what liberation cuisine is like. What will keep the organizing work? What will keep the community work going long range? Like what will keep our frontline folks going long range as opposed to just feeding their bellies in the moment? And that's not an easy question to answer because there are so many um, elements of like inaccessibility, just so many levels of why people aren't getting the food, right? That will keep them going. But um I think it's like a life's work that I've chosen to just try to figure out step by step and be a part of because lots of folks are doing it. And that is kind of a great way, to, a great comparison. The the idea of investing in your health long term, but then also the idea of investing in like activism because both can be very, I think, I feel like easily short sighted. Like, what are you craving? Mm. What do you desire in the moment? Mm. And like, what can you do? What are your like, you know, movement goals in the moment and not not investing in your own health that's such a common I I feel like problem in activist work like totally you get burnout totally essentially yeah and and burnout was something that I personally experienced I went to like a liberal arts college that was really academically challenging and being like a minority as a person of color and you know different identities it was like uh, and being part of like organizing work on campus and such as um, a high schooler or as, sorry, as, as, a, a, as, a, as an undergrad, undergrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like I got burnout and I was like okay let me remember everything I learned growing up like let me remember that I have like all this information to fall back on um, and then there's also just like organizing is you know what are just that that concept of like long term and like relationship building and investment um, I think it's just a really different approach and that that's why I really believe in like liberation work as opposed to like I don't know just activism could be such a wide term it's like what are we activating around what are we really talking about but for me I'm really clear it's like it's liberation um, like we're fighting for like reparations because it will support liberation like we're fighting for land sovereignty because it will support liberation we're fighting for like organic not because of like all the like I mean not not but it's not simply because of the politics around it. it's because mm-hmm. it will support liberation for our bodies for our spirits for the earth um, for our communities um, and being centered on yeah like what it is that we want what's the vision which is a necessary conversation because you could you know be really like pushing organics but totally forget about the people who pick the food and right. you know all of that like that's a conversation that labor isn't you know as sexy as like organic kale yeah and especially especially in food um there's so many like elements to the labor conversation that um 
that folks, it's hard to look at. It's really hard to look at what as a society we've like created um, and then and then put thought into like how to undo it a little bit or create other systems. Um, and in food, like food is so under underpriced um, and then we're like underpaid, especially like low income workers and and it's like the it's like how where's the wiggle room like how do we make this work so that um we're really taking care of everyone along along the chain of work and product (laughs) and some of the things you offer um seem to really address that like the bundles that you do like the csa share essentially what what led you to call it a bundle instead of a share just curiosity oh um well because we're like in integrating different healers um so bundles of liberation is this project and we're sort of in a, a part two slash a like reflection period right now as we enter the spring and the farmers are really sort of getting getting ready to go um, and thinking about how we can keep growing. Uh, but Bundles of Liberation is a partnership with farmers who do vegetable CSAs. And then what we bring in is recipes and herb CSAs and um, like astrology forecasts. So it's like a whole bundle of things that will support you um, in being well. And yeah, just open to like more healers and adding more elements to it. And uh yeah, thinking about like more farmers to work with and just how to how to get people also excited about CSAs. I think often what we hear from folks is like, I don't know, I just got this box and not totally sure what to do with everything, especially folks um, like Liberation Cuisine and my work really uh, attracts, is attracting like Caribbean folks, black, Latinx people. And um, they're like, I don't know what this is. Like, this is not, my grandma wasn't making this, my abuelo, like, wasn't doing this. Um, and so what I, what, you know, what I do is like, all right, let, let's try a more typical recipe, adding some of these vegetables mm-hmm. in or using substituting some of these vegetables um, so that they can engage with the CSA. Um, and that's what I do in my catering a lot too. It's trying to figure out how to make um, some more like typical well-known recipes using local ingredients because mm-hmm. the reality is, is like, local local eating is more sustainable and and more healthy for our bodies and for the earth at the same time we can't ignore like where we come from and what has been sustaining our relatives for so long so we need to find or i want to find like a middle ground there and a way to like fit us into the picture of local sustainable foods like we all get to fit in there and and feel really good about being part of that yeah, and just kind of reinventing those dishes, like with local, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. flavors. It's um, the cycle. People have always been inventing. They've recipes. always been into, yeah. They've always yeah. been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> what are some dishes that uh, that you like are are popular or? Yeah, one dish that's really popular is um, I do like a bacalao a la criolla. So it's a salted codfish in a creole sauce, and often what I'll do is um, make it with some chickpea in it. And actually, I did it for a fundraiser recently, and the this this guy was like eating it. He's like, "Do you always put chickpea in this?" I was like, "Yeah, you know, I find it kind of funny." He's like, "Interesting," um, and he like ate it. He loved it, but he was just like, "Oh, like chickpea, all right." Um, and then I'll usually do a version of it that's only chickpea, okay. and really just invite people like, "Hey, try this out. Like, it's the Creole sauce. It's like onions, peppers, everything you like. It's achiote. Um, try without the fish. Like, see if you're into it." And folks are often into it, you know, and I think it's going from like 
giving it to people at an event and they're like, all right, to then like sharing the recipe to then inviting people to get a CSA to that, you know, it's like these steps of building to get people to um, really, I want everyone to be cooking for themselves and making all this stuff. Um, so, yeah. Chickpeas are the rage right now. They're, they're yeah. delicious. They're, yeah. I mean, they're great. Like they've yeah. always been great, but I feel like they're finally getting more acknowledgement. Attention. Yeah, more attention. Cool. And I think that does kind of speak to the things we crave are often like the seasonings, the spices, right. like the texture. It's less about like the, the protein. Pro- yeah, the protein. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. More exchangeable. Totally. And like, yeah, just plant based, like. Animal proteins are super fun to cook with in like a culinary perspective um, and definitely offer like particular nutrients. Um, I, again, thinking about that long term theme, mm-hmm. really just do think about and because I've done a lot of work with farmers, like do think about the earth and that like the meat industry and in particular like beef and such are such large contributors to climate change. And we're at this like really significant point whether it was five years ago or now or in five years, like whatever, we're like in this lifetime, it's important to think about where our like grandchildren and then seven generations from now where they'll be. Um, And it makes a difference when we choose, even if it's not all the time, when we choose to like go for plants um, more often than not. Yeah. And so um, back to the bundles, like what is the farm that you are working with? Yeah. How did you um, build that relationship? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I so the farm that we work with is Rocksteady Farm. They're really awesome. They're a like queer and women led uh, cooperative, owned cooperative, I should say. And they um, are in Millerton, New York. And I originally met Maggie, who's one of the co-owners, um, who worked at a, like a high school, uh, an urban farm. I'm totally blanking on the name right now. An urban farm in uh, in Bushwick. And yeah, just did a really awesome project. And at the time, I was also working at a nonprofit in Williamsburg. And we were like doing things together. And, and that's what, I don't know, that's what it's about, is just building the relationship and being like, I appreciate you and your vision and what you're committed to. You appreciate me and the vision and what you're committed to. Like, let's just keep playing together. Let's keep figuring out. And so when Maggie moved upstate and was like, yo, we're doing this, we're committing, we're doing a farm, I just kept that in my mind. And when I had the opportunity, I was like, all right, I think we're ready to like do something with farmers. Um, They and they are close enough to the city that they do CSA shares and deliver to New York City. And I was like, great, we can highlight you all and bring more folks to the CSA and also offer this like additional bundle. And it was a success. It was really good. People were really into it. So, um, yeah, we're just making tweaks and continuing to build together always. That's amazing. Um, so there was a really lovely feature of you and Bon Appetit, the healthiest, um, vertical that they have back in October. And I just want to read a little bit, um, from it because I really enjoyed it. Um, it says for two weeks, Alvarez, along with other volunteers, sourced whatever ingredients were available for nightly meals, mostly vegetables and grains. They prepped and cooked without electricity for most of the day and every evening over arroz con salchichas, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> vegetable guisado and salads made from kale and beets that she brought in her suitcase from New York to Puerto Rico. A small community would gather to make sure that friends and loved ones were getting along all right. And then you're quoted saying the trauma and shock that people down there are experiencing is intense. 
Everyone has to eat, and in moments of climate disaster, food can be warming and supportive as well, she says. Folks were laughing because they had never eaten so little meat and drank so much water. And this is talking about your work going down to Puerto Rico right after Hurricane Maria and kind of using your 30th birthday trip as, yeah. a, as, a, as a way to do liberation work in the moment, um, in the moment of need. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you were doing there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hmm, wow, I, listening to that, I'm like, throwback. Definitely bring me back to those to that particular time and place. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, yeah, so it was, it was around my birthday. My birthday's in October, and I had been planning a trip, and things took a turn, and I still, like, had a ticket, so I reached out to... Um, friends of mine who are very much on the ground organizing every day for years and and was like would it be helpful if I came down like would it would it not be helpful would it like I'm just totally open um, to you all who are on the ground and who know best and they were like yeah like please do come and if you can just sort of like handle the food so that we can keep doing the work that we're doing Um, and so that's what I did for Um, it was like two, three weeks I was down there in October and, um, yeah, they would be, I mean, it was folks from, um, Agitarte, which is a, um, like arts collective Mm. in Puerto Rico. Um, really, really amazing work. I, I recommend people, um, look them up and they, you know, do a lot of like arts activism. And at that moment they were like, oh, we have a lot of connections and really close relationships again they've been building relationships for years and so they were able to tap in and be like all right we're mobilizing like so and so in Umacao so and so in Rio Piedra so and so in San Juan or wherever or wherever it is like we all these people know us and trust us and they were able to just really get networks going and um because they're based in San Juan and because they have strong connections in the continental United States they were also able to funnel a lot of um like resources that came, donations that came. So they became, yeah, a, a funnel for both uh, monetary and like physical uh, donations and had the networks already built in. So they were like in like Hit serious the mode. They were going, going, going. And I was just really there to support them. I would, you know, cook some lunch and dinner. And there was, um, you know, there was lots of, what do you call them? They, generators. There was lots of generators going because, there was no power at the time and generators emit like so much toxins into the air and are like, yeah, it's like gasoline. You're running basically a tiny motor that's like emitting so much gasoline. It's so noisy. It's just like when you have like generators all over, there's like this humming noise that's constantly happening. So they were trying not to run the generator all the time and um, their neighbor had a generator. So they'd ran an electric line from the neighbor to sort of run one refrigerator that they would turn off during the day, like just turn it off, but keep it cold overnight. So we were always like repurposing leftovers and just really using what needed to be used in the moment, using um, lots of produce, like animal protein needs to be refrigerated both before, during and after, Um, like milk needs to be refrigerated. Um, And yeah, so we were drinking a lot of water. We were filtering water and drinking that Um, we were, eating lots of vegetables and things that like, I remember one day all of a sudden this like huge ramo of platano, like this huge, just like 
basically, I don't know if it, for folks who have seen a plantain tree, they like, or a banana tree, right? It's like, oh, right, it looks yeah. like a banana. This whole, like the whole chunk of the bananas that it's just, I don't know what you call that in English, but the ramo is what you call it in, in Spanish. They just all, all these plantains just showed up at the house. Someone brought them from, from someone's home. And it was just like, wow, what a blessing. Like, yes, we're going in with the plantains. Um, and then also sharing it with, with other people, you know? Um, so yeah, that was a really, a really beautiful time. And it was really just an honor to be able to, um, to show up, just be present. Um, also someone who had not experienced like the scariness of the hurricane and, um, yeah, had just sort of like not been present for that. I was also able to bring, um, I think a little bit of like different energy and, and just like a little bit of a breath of fresh air, like, yo, like, what's up, Gabriela? You know, like a connection to the fact that there's something else out off the island. Um, and yeah, I, you know, did my best and have, have been down since then. I haven't been in a while, um, which makes me sad because I'm just trying to focus on, you know, liberation cuisine in some other ways, but I'm constantly just committed to whether it's like fundraising or staying in communication or thinking long-term about how I can continue to build with Ajitarte and um, lots of comedores that we're really building up in Puerto Rico. Um, and yeah, there's just, I could go on and on right. about the organizing <laughs> work that's going on there. But um, yeah, I just, I do my best to focus on the grassroots work. There was so much that happened always after any climate disaster, so much that um, pops up and goes down and resource and, projects and such for me um I've just been really committed to like who was doing the work before mm -hmm. who's been really committed to like liberation and that's who um I want to support and really uplift yeah we're gonna take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back Patina Restaurant Group offers unparalleled service in New York's most iconic locations, including Lincoln Center, Rockefeller Center, and Macy's Herald Square. Patina is also the exclusive caterer at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. From meetings and presentations in the glass-walled atrium, to galas in the renovated Palm House, and intimate wedding showers at Yellow Magnolia Cafe, your event will be perfectly imagined and customized at Brooklyn Botanic Garden. You can also enjoy a la carte brunch and lunch at the picturesque Yellow Magnolia Cafe overlooking Lilypool Terrace. Executive chef Morgan Jarrett's unique menu offers warm, distinctive cuisine with a focus on local vegetables, grains, and sustainably sourced meats and fish. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio has plenty more. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I'm the host of Feast Your Ears here on HRN. My show explores the world of food through storytelling. Every week, I talk with people inside and outside the food world about how experience has shaped what they eat and cook. You can find Feast Your Ears wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. And fall asleep just to wake up. Welcome back to Food Without Borders on Heritage Radio Network. 
We're a show about food, politics, and identity, and I'm your host tonight, Leah Kurtz, and we're continuing a conversation with Gabriela Alvarez from Liberation Cuisine. We've just been talking a little bit about her work in liberation um, activism, as well as um, the work that she's doing through the food business, partnering with um, a farm upstate. Remind me the name again, Rock... Rocksteady. Rocksteady. And the general idea of getting in touch with grassroots activism and really supporting people who are doing their work, not just when the spotlight is on and the world is watching, but when no one's looking, um, continuing to do that work. Um, How has the political landscape shaped what you're doing through Liberation Cuisine, but then maybe the nonprofit work that you um, kind of referenced earlier, or like, has that evolved continuously as like the needs have have evolved over time like with um certain communities being you know targeted or certain um you know people being literally you know their lives at risk because of like a travel ban or um you know bombastic messages Mm -hmm. um from like the white house has that kind of shaped the work you're doing Hmm, interesting i mean I'm like, yes and no, because, I mean, I feel like those things impact all of us. And so um, it's it's like our responsibility to take care of one another. So when things happen, um, yeah, I think we like check in with one another and, and think about like how to support. Like, but more directly with like the catering or the cooking, um, I, I haven't super moved things like change directions too much in response to all of the things that you know have been happening I think that one thing I you know have have done every once in a while and once I think we're like more like our structures are more solid and we're really running that I want to do more of is um being able to respond to direct actions like with direct actions um in solidarity like um yeah, there were there were um, some folks doing like a hunger strike for like farmer labor rights. When was this? Maybe like last year. And I helped like organize a bunch of different cooks to to make sure that the team who was supporting those folks who were on the hunger strike to to feed those people. Um, and that felt really really cool. It was like a reminder of like, oh yeah, like I know lots of people who are supportive of this work and down to cook and we can like mobilize and we can do this. Um, and I want to, I'm like working to be in a more solid place so that Liberation Cuisine as a catering company, me as an individual, friends of mine who I like do this work with, um, that we can be more prepared to mobilize more quickly with whether it's like you know, when all the, like, Black Lives Matter marches were happening or, like, yeah, like, all the, like, border bans, all these things are, like, um, oh, my God, what was the um, the standing rock? Like, when these things happen to be able to, to show up. And I think it's two-part. It's, like, me um, doing my own work so that, like, my own internal work so that when things happen, I can, like, process through my own emotions around whatever it is that's happening and 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 move because I don't know some people are really like oh that's messed up like go I'm like oh that's messed up I have feelings about it I need to process and then go so like me doing my own work so that I can mobilize more quickly and then also really 
working on the the foundations and the the systems of liberation cuisine so that we can mobilize more quickly um so that's something i'm really interested in in building more i think people know that i'm like committed so we'll sometimes reach out um but having more of like a fa- like having that be more known more publicly that we can like mobilize when we're ready to do that yeah really which takes to. discernment to know yeah when to take up to pack right. your bags and take off right and when to stay home and just take care of the people who maybe that is affecting but are you know Absolutely. in your neighborhood in your community Absolutely. locally yeah and you know it would be amazing if we could have the support to do both you know both and um when it makes sense to do so and you talk about feeding the movement work and specifically um, serving people who are doing, you know, grassroots activism. Does that mean you're turning down people like more commercial clients? Does that mean like this maybe sacrificing scaling and growth in order to invest your energy where you feel like it's really needed? It's a good question. I was just in a meeting talking about this. Um, Yeah, I mean, Liberation Cuisine, we've done like almost zero marketing. So it has been word of mouth within community. So like this nonprofit, you know, a staff person at this nonprofit ate at a gig that we cooked for for this other like healer collective and then they invite us and so and so and and onward. Um, So it, you know, I, I have turned down specific things where I'm just like, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to put our energy into this um when we can put our energy into something else we are like in a growth period so we're not turning down like i don't know like giant things um but we are very much because we're growing in a conversation of what what are our boundaries like we want to grow we want to sustain our employees like we want everyone to be able to eat right um and pay rent so therefore where do what what are we saying yes to what are we saying no to let's just be clear now so that when the moments come, we can make decisions that we feel good about. Um, and also in conversations around like growth, like what, what does that mean for a long time? Liberation cuisine was just me for a long time. I was like freelancing, calling it liberation cuisine. And so like, if I'm real. And so, um, now it's like, Oh, growth, other people, like what is, what, what does that mean? And really like honing in on the mission. And then what is, you know, what are we really committed to? Like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think there's possibilities uh, that we've like considered, but, um, haven't come to any decisions or don't have any like deep knowledge that I can share at this point. (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, with growth comes responsibility Uh, and you are not just becoming like a business owner, but like an employer. And like, that's, that requires a whole nother set of skills and conversations to have and so the we behind liberation cuisine is that who is that at this moment so at this moment it is um there's like i mean there's a whole like family of people who i've i've known for and and worked with who are always like guiding me and offering conversation and brainstorm and modeling Mm -hmm. like possibilities um and then there's like a smaller group of like three four people who have been working with liberation cuisine either like in the kitchen or with more admin or just yeah like in whatever you know we need napkins folded like whatever it is but that have been present for how we've done things like how I've tried to figure out to create space in the kitchen how I've figured out to like even just like uniforms like 
we don't want to be wearing all black and be invisible in the corner as caterers. Like, we want to be human beings. It's like the little things that actually matter. Like, we want to be human beings who, like, feel comfortable in what we're wearing. We want you to see us. We want you to talk to us. Um, and so there have been people who have been figuring that out with me along the way. Um, and so as we grow, those are the people who I turn to to be like, all right, what is growth? What is sustainability for the company? Like, what, you know, what are, what are we doing today? What are we doing next month? What are we trying to do in five years, 10 years? Um, and yeah, that's who I really, who I really turn to. And that does set you apart even just down to not expecting the people involved with your work to be invisible at an event or to be cookie cutter, you know, everyone act the same and be the same. And that, I mean, that speaks to your message about Mm -hmm. allowing difference and making that be the norm of like, not everyone, you know, has the same background or identity. Um, Like, are there any choices that you make together, like as a team that make that more complicated that make what more complicated? Like uh, creating space for everyone to mm. kind of like be be themselves in that kind of work. Interesting. Um, I don't know if we've, like I can't think of like any major decisions, but like something that we're like navigating is, and I think a lot of spaces are at this time on the East Coast, um, is like, is like pronouns and like honoring people's pronouns. And so um, people who who were like on sort of the core team, like you, some people are like cisgendered and use the pronoun that like the majority of like population might assume that they use mm-hmm. and others don't. Um, and others use multiple like pronouns. And some people like are all well-versed in pronouns and what it means and what it's connected to and all the identity politics around it. and. Some people aren't. They're just like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, are open to it, but it just requires, like, both, like, gentleness and love in the moment and and also, like, side conversations um, to support all of us. Um, and and that's, I think, one of the hardest parts, of, like, as an employer. I'm, like, trying, like creating that space and, and then with that, like, policies and all these different pieces of, like, yeah, like we're going to figure out how to do this and we're going to like be committed to one another. Like we all have different skills and we're coming from different places. And, um, you know, I think that like with capitalism in this first world United States empire, it's like um, disposability, like disposability of food at events, Mm. disposability of like plasticware and disposability of human beings, you know, like, oh, like especially in the like food industry, it's like, yo, you're done, you're out next you know there's so much of that especially in restaurants just like cooks are disposable and they just keep bringing them in and people keep moving around um and I'm really trying not to replicate that I'm really trying to say like all right what are you good at what do you like to do what do you want to learn how are we going to figure that out and still be producing catering events you know um at a scale that we can like you know make it just make it work so that's yeah something I'm really committed to afraid of excited about like have lots of feelings about but I'm like if we can figure this out um I just think it'll make a huge difference for each of us for like the growth of the company like not even thinking about like scalable models and things like let's just think about growth for us um as humans as as growing beings 
And that does elevate the concept of growth. It's not mm-hmm. like a number, mm-hmm. like outside of capitalism, what is growth for you? Like right. creating a culture of care where people can fuck up, like people can mess up, but can, but are pushed to learn and yeah. pushed to grow and yeah. do better pronoun etiquette, all of the things mm-hmm. um, it's needed. Um, so what are some events or upcoming things that you'd like to share about Ooh. whether personally about liberation cuisine uh, and where can we find you? Where can our listeners check yeah. out what you're doing? Um, so the website uh, is liberationcuisine.com. And um, the I'm kind of on a little social media hiatus. I'm kind of like uh, a little tired and, and bored of social media. I don't know. Social media is just getting kind of kind of lame these days. But with that being said, um, you can find me mostly on Instagram at Chef Gabriela Alvarez. And um, yeah, I post I post lots of things on there. Also, if you go to liberationcuisine.com and like scroll down to the bottom and subscribe, um, I do have a newsletter that I send out every once in a while. I'm not someone who sends newsletters out all the time, Um, but I have one coming out soon because um, on May 17th, uh, two of the uh, folks who d- have done Bundles of Liberation with me, um, Sara Abdullah and Giselle Castaño, uh, we're going to do a pop-up dinner, and it's going to be sort of like about the astrology that's going on at the time and have like herbal concoctions mixed in with like coursed out, a coursed out meal and just be really fun and lavish and beautiful. Uh, so that's on May 17th. Details I'll send out again in the newsletter and post on social media. And then um, on June 17th, I also have another pop-up that I won't say too many details out at the moment because there's like a whole launch thing happening. But it is really excited, um, exciting. And uh, yeah, just just connect with me on social media and the newsletter. um, And hopefully more more pop-ups to come. It's kind of like a way that I can creatively express myself as the catering project is is happening um and something that i'm exploring is like multimedia sound and video and and visuals during a dinner to explore different topics so yeah and creating out for really that. an experience totally and yeah. then are you doing the bundles this spring as well so what we're doing is um sara abdullah is gonna focus on the herbal csa which you should definitely check out um i'm gonna put some info on liberationcuisine.com and then um on on their website which is earth seed holistic um and they'll have different sites mostly i think throughout brooklyn maybe some manhattan of um doing the herb csa and that'll that, that'll also be with vegetable csas um like with rocksteady and some other folks and um yeah okay all yeah. right we'll keep an eye out for it Thanks. it's exciting stuff mm-hmm. an astrology themed pop-up who does not want that yeah really? <laughs> so if i know astrology is like such a thing now i've been yeah it's great yeah <laughs> well thank you so much for being on mm-hmm. food without borders it's been a pleasure having you and hearing more about the work you do thank you and you can listen to this episode on heritageradionetwork.org you can also find us on itunes spotify and stitcher and we'll be back next wednesday wednesday with a new episode thanks Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
for our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.